Paradigms, Insights into Relationships and You, hosted by Toby Jenkins, a marriage and family therapist associate serving Central Kentucky. Each week, Toby will bring you a show with a topic related to mental health, relationships, or self-improvement. The name of the show, Paradigms, comes from that moment in the therapy process when a profound shift in perspective happens for a client, an epiphany sometimes accompanied by physical reaction that leads them to look at things differently and make significant steps towards improving and enriching their lives. You are listening to Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. I'm your host, Toby Jenkins, and... I'm always pleased when I have a guest on a second time. And uh, today my guest is Donna Marshall. And you may remember her from a previous episode. Uh, and she was searching for her birth parents through DNA, uh, Ancestry.com, and Facebook. Well, Donna has another passion, and that is um, her vocation in, uh, in the community she serves. Donna is a peer adherence educator at Palmetto Community Care in Charleston, South Carolina formerly known as Low Country Aid Services. So what we're talking about today is the uh, HIV virus and AIDS. And um, I am particularly interested in this topic um, as a sex educator at a university. This is quite a bit. But, um, you know, today's generation of, of students have a very different experience of HIV and AIDS than I did as a 46-year-old man, and I had that JFK moment. Well, my parents would call it a JFK moment. I would call it a Magic Johnson moment where everybody knew where they were when Magic Johnson announced his retirement from the NBA uh, due to uh, having the HIV virus. And, of course, at that time, we thought he was going to die. And, you know, and it was a scary time to be uh, – to, well, to be honest, to be sexually active to be in your 20s and in college. So, uh, Donna, welcome back to the show. And um, I'm excited about our topic today. Very excited. Thank you. thank you for having me back. Um, I appreciate this, you know. Um, yeah. This gives me an opportunity to tell my story. Yes. I don't know, I know a little bit about your story, but not a lot, but I am looking forward to hearing it. And so you alluded to it in our first interview of um, being diagnosed HIV positive. So, um, so what's your, what, how did you get diagnosed? When did you find out? And um, yeah, let's just start from the beginning there. Okay. Like we talked about Magic Johnson, that's how I remember back in 1991, and I was in my early 20s with two young children, single parent, and I went and got tested for STD, and the lady asked if I wanted an HIV test, and I said, sure, why not, you know, and um, needless to say, a couple of weeks later, they sent me a letter. <laughs> a letter? They didn't even call you. <laughs> well, no, they sent a letter and said, um, you need to come in. You need to come in. We need to talk with you. Very important. 
that had to be just anxiety ridden. So me being the person that I was, I ignored it. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yes. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. I don't know why I may suspected something, but I, you know, so they sent another letter. <laughs> yes, they were like, um, you need to come in. It's like very important. Mm-hmm. We need you to come so we can talk with you. And I oh. ignored that one. The third letter was, we're coming to get you. <laughs> oh, they're coming to get you. Right. They're coming to get you. Um, so I went in and the lady was like, you know, it was hard getting you in. Do you, you know, you okay or whatever? And she's like, you know we why we brought you in here? No, why? That's when they said you're HIV positive. And wow. I'll never forget it was a young nurse and she had tears in her eye because hmm. she said, you are so young. And I was just sitting there like, okay. So it didn't hit you. It didn't hit me. It, it, I was numb. Um, I was like, okay, whatever attitude. Um, didn't have any type of emotions or feelings. And the lady the nurse said, are you okay? Do you want to talk with someone? I said, no, I just want to get out of here. That's all. Mm. You know. um, so they, they got me hooked up with MUSC, made appointment. Um, needless to say, when I went home, I didn't think about it. I went and partied. Really? <laughs> yeah, and did what I do, got high. So, you know, that took away all you know, to think about it. So when um, time to go to the doctor, that was kind of reality kicking in. Mm -hmm. And I think about a month by the time I got to the doctor, it kicked in and I, I boohooed so much and I cried and I told my best friend, I used to bartend at a club and she came to have a drink with me. And that's when Magic Johnson was on TV announcing he was No way. At the same time. Yes. And I looked up and I, you know, I was behind the bar and I said, you know, I got that. So she said, girl, stop. She said, stop. And I said, no, seriously. The same thing Magic Johnson has, I have. And she just said, oh, my God, boo, no, no. And I said, it's okay. It's okay. I'm okay. Hmm. And she was the only person I told at that time. Sure. And, you know, I kind of lived my, went on like it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. When I went to the doctor, you know, my T-cells were fine. T-cells are the numbers of um, cells that we have to fight off infections. And mm-hmm. I started off pretty good. You know, I think that's what helped me too. But the doctor told me, well, 
You may live five years, if that. Five years. Five years. That's what we thought. We thought, you know, at that time, Magic Johnson would die in a couple years. Would die. So when you got tested, it sounds like the HIV test was just on on a whim. So you had no reason to think you may have contracted it or not. I, well, you know, I was living a promiscuous life, so I knew, you know, it was a chance, and I did have symptoms. I had my lip noid were swollen. Okay. Like, behind my, behind my ear, it was a huge lip noid, and in my groin, and, but I was like, oh, I ignored it, of sure. course. <laughs> so, but like when I knew they wanted to talk with me, I kind of suspected. Mm. And I, the way I handled it, it was very nonchalant. I was like, well, if I got something and if I'm going to die, then I'm going to die, you know? So that Did it scare you more that you were a mom of two young kids at the time? I, yes, it did. And I, when I thought, you know, when I, I looked at it in both ways, you know, well, what's going to happen to my children? And um, I said, you know, I don't want them to be separated because they have different fathers. Mm -hmm. So I made a living will. Um, My mother would handle the children because they suggested I make a living will. They also had hospice come talk with me at my home. Wow. They had me to apply for um, disability, which I got denied the first time. And one thing about me was I always worked. So I said, well, I don't need their check. I work. So I worked, you know, and um, I never tried for it again. But the lady came, the disability, whatnot, I mean, the hospice lady, and she was saying, well, you got to get your papers and orders. And, you know, basically they were preparing me to die. Yeah, I was going to say that, I mean, hospice, the 20s, yeah. wow. Yes. They and, weren't messing around. Yeah. And like I said, back then, their thing was you only get on medication if you're um, T cells go under 500. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I started off with my T cells at 850. Okay. And, but when I did get down below 500, I started on AZT, which, and another medication, which was nasty, horrible. Um, I didn't like it. it Mess with your pancreas. Mm. And I basically stopped taking it because I saw, you know, on the news, these people dying left to right, sure. you know, and I'm like, I feel, I felt that this medication wasn't doing my body right and it was doing more harm than anything. Yeah. That was the way I thought about it. I took it because I wanted to live because of my children, mm-hmm. but I also felt, okay, I'm making my living will and, and I'm going, my kid's going to be okay. That was what was in my mind. Sure. I was doing drugs and Mm -hmm. we know drugs alter the mind. Oh, sure. 
<laughs> but um, I took this the medication, and like I said, it affected me in a bad way. I would have to like lay down for at least an hour or two before I could really get my composure together because mm -hmm. of my stomach. So, like I said, I just stopped taking it. Period. Mm. And I still went to the doctor. Um, I. I ordered my medicine every month to stay on the program, and I had bags of medicine. Oh, you just weren't taking it. <laughs> I just wasn't taking it. And now, I now that I look back on it, I'm I feel I felt I feel bad because someone else could have been taking that medication. Oh. Now I know better. I know better yeah. now. But you know, it was I was only HIV when I went to the doctor. I wasn't HIV when I was out here. And I slipped up and I told one, one person, <laughs> yeah, that, that was, yeah. Hmm. And I told one person who we were sleeping together, but we always use protection. Mm -hmm. And of course he told someone else. Hmm. And the person told someone else. So from then on, I didn't tell anybody. The only person that knew was my best friend. And I kind of let it, you know, someone did ask me. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? You know, mm. so that died down. And, of course, the look. I didn't have the look. <laughs> that, yeah. It's so, <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah. You know, one of the things, uh, we're up against a commercial break. Uh, okay. You know, one of the things that uh, in my class we talk about in particular is the stigma. That, yes. That comes with HIV, um, especially back then. It still exists now. Oh, yes. And even listen to some of the old sound bites of the gay cancer, um, gay men are getting what they deserve. And, um yep. Just the whole, and women who had it were dirty and moral. Right, whores. Uh, yes. Sleeping around with everybody, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so after this commercial break, we'll come back and talk more about um, living with HIV and uh, striving with HIV in your case. So yeah. um, you're listening to Paradigm, Insights into Relationship with You. We'll be right back after this commercial break. This portion of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships in You, is sponsored by Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy, walking beside you during life's challenges, providing therapy for couples, families, and individuals. Find us on the web at www.jenkinscft.com. positively transform schools, then let me, Joel Cotty, keynote speaker and facilitator of the professional learning, Ignite, hashtag love in schools, put deep passion, purpose, and joy back into your classrooms, hallways, and school events. Share my contact information with a principal or district leader near you. My phone number is 859-967-8510 and find me on Twitter and Facebook at Ignite Love PD.
And we're back. Um, today, my guest is Donna Marshall, and we're talking about living with uh, being HIV positive. So, uh, you know, I think we've done a real good job culturally in terms of educating the masses in terms of how HIV works. And just, you know, for background, it's a virus, and um, viruses um, we really can't cure, except there was uh, a cure in the news recently, which we probably come back to later. So these viruses can lay dormant in your body for years. And um, and what makes HIV so uh, deadly is that when it does uh, activate, it attacks the immune system. And so Donna was talking before the break about her T cells and T cells are critical in fighting um, infections and other foreign bodies, foreign things that come in the body. So, um, you know, medication has come a long way. And uh, over the break, I was um, I was telling Donna about um, some work I used to do with a speaker who was HIV positive, and he, I had him come in and talk to young teenagers about his experience. And this is in the mid two thousands, and at that time he was on about fifteen or so medications. Yes, uh, and, yes, and. The stories he told of most days either being nauseous or having diarrhea. Yes. And difficult to function. So was that your experience early on? Yes. With with the particular medication, it would mess with my stomach. You didn't really want to go anywhere because you had to be near a bathroom. Mm-hmm. You know. So basically your life was just at home. You know, because you got to take this medication and you take it several times a day. Okay. Um, Like every four hours, every, some people had to take it every eight hours. It depends on where you were at um, with your HIV. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it, you know, you can do anything. And mo- you can be mobile, you know, you, not unless you bring an outhouse with you, a toilet. <laughs> but, you know, and that's one reason why I came to the conclusion and I was like, at that time in my life, this thing is killing me. It's not really helping. Sure. You know, I can't do anything. I can't go anywhere. And I'm like, you know, this this can't be good. And, you know, the stigma, like we said, the stigma and people like, well, why, why are you using a bathroom so much? What's wrong with you? You know, what's, what's, what's that on? Why you got that rash? Why you got, you know, cause I did break out with a rash, but I could cover mine, you know? Okay. And, now, do these rashes look like anything else or were they uniquely something related to HIV? Um. It was related to HIV. I had like on my arms, like a patch of like patch of reds, red bumps, and it's all in a patch. Um, now we know it was considered shingles. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah. But back then we didn't, they didn't know what it was, you know, but right. things are, they progress. But, um, I kind of secluded myself mm-hmm. for a while and then I came back out and I was like, you know, 
I'm not taking that medication because that thing is killing me. <laughs> yeah. I stopped. I stopped. And me not knowing, I'm thinking I'm outsmarting my doctors. But now today I know better. They know whether you take your medication or not through your blood work. Sure. Yeah. So, but I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, I'm taking my medication. Yeah. And my doctor wouldn't say, you know, he was like, okay, okay. And he would say, well, your numbers are here and, you know, do this, do that. But I had good health care um, through the Ryan White grant. And um, because in 91, the Ryan White had just came out, I think in 90, I'm not sure about either 90 or 91. And um, I got on it and it helped me with my medication, seeing the doctors financially, it helped. Mm. Um, without that, I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking with you. So, wow. so yes. Side of, so at the time you didn't have conventional or commercial insurance no. Right. Ah. They, oh. Yeah. Because because the medication is stupid expensive. You know. Yeah. You know, one a month's worth is like, and it was still expensive back then. But today, it's like two thousand to three thousand dollars a month, anywhere from fifteen hundred to three thousand. Whoa! Say it again. So currently. Current medication is fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars a month. A month. Wow. Thirty day supply. For thirty days. Thirty days. So the average person cannot afford that. No. <laughs> no. If you want a fixed income and you're a single mom with two young children, so you know. That's why I appreciate the Ryan White grant, and that's why I I lobby for it, and I work hard. I go and I speak to our legislatures about keep, you know, don't cut it. We need yeah. it because if you cut that, you know, we can't afford that. Who can afford a thousand dollars a month for medication? You know. Wow, I did not know it was that much. That is incredible. It's very expensive. And, you know, back then, I'm pretty sure it wasn't that. It was up there, but we, I, you still couldn't afford it. You still couldn't afford it. And then going seeing the doctor and lab work is very expensive. Yeah. You know, when I go get my labs done, that's about two, three thousand dollars $3,000. Know? So were you getting labs done every month? It, I used to go every three months okay and then they switch to six months okay so now you i go twice to twice a year but at first um i went every three months and if i was sick in between you would go every month like you said and um because they you know you can get a infection um, that can just knock you out. So have you, you've had those kind of experiences where probably things 
people that are not HIV positive just get over, but a cold turns into something else for you? Yes. Um, a cold lasts longer, <laughs> okay. um, especially when your immune system is weak. When it's low, you don't have them T cells to fight for you. Sure. So you know, you can have a cold anywhere from a month to six months. You know, your oh, body is yeah. fighting, you yeah. know, and um, that's why, you know, I'm going to get into my job. I decided to do what I do because a lot of people don't know too much about HIV till this day. Yeah. And it, it may, it amazes me. The, the people who don't college kids. Um, I was speaking with a 50 year old woman. She didn't know nothing about HIV. She didn't even know it still exists. She said, I thought they got that under control. And right. And, you know, because it's not talked about enough. Not nearly enough. And it's still an epidemic, especially in the South. We are at numbers like metropolitan cities, New York, and we're not that large. And our numbers are up there with them. So it's it's an epidemic. It's still... It came up, um, you know, I think it was in the New York Times, probably in multiple media outlets, but um, um, the rates are increasing at alarming numbers in the South. And... Yes, it um, is. You know, off off air, we're talking about the um, comprehensive sex education, and that at least in the United States, it's mostly abstinence based. And I think the number is thirteen. There are only thirteen states that require that the sex education be medically accurate. And so we we're doing we're doing our young people a disservice. Um, and so yes. with this outbreak in the South, which the New York Times article I read. The um, the primary population is growing in are black men, and the yes. reason they cite most uh, for most of it is a lack of education, a lack of knowledge. Yes, and yes. Practicing uh, unsafe sex, um, period. And then um, there, there's also a phenomenon. I mean, a slang called on a down low, where it's men sleeping with men, but right. it's secret. And then they're still uh, engaging in sexual activity with uh, in heterosexual activity, and right. so there's, yeah, so it's it's um it's a bad it's, situation. <laughs> yeah. And um, the high numbers is like you said, MSM men who have sex with men is hitting our black community very hard. The young men, basically under thirty. Yep. Yep. We have a large number of newly diagnosed. And believe it or not, our older people numbers are growing up getting up there too. Because I guess you know better. Huh? You think older people would know better. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, a lot of just like women going through menopause, oh, I can't get pregnant, or, or you know, we older now, you know, and yeah. you know, you know better, but do you do better? <laughs> and the numbers were kind of climbing a little, but the younger population, the gay men, I don't, you know, that's why I'm pushing for the comprehensive education. When I went to D.C., I, I, I talked about that with all the legislatures and I 
brought that up and I'm, you know, I let them know we need to start with education. Education, you got to teach these kids, you know, instead of absence. You know, we're 2019, let's be for real, you know. Absence, no, no. Not not for the young kids nowadays, no. No, it can't be the only message. Um, Well, um, we're up against um, One Minute Insight. So uh, when we come back after the break, we'll jump into the stigma attached with uh, HIV, which is related to education. And um, let's talk more about um, the advocacy work you do, the lobbying. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing. So you're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships. We'll be right back after One Minute Insight. Oftentimes when people come to therapy, there's such a huge difference between where they are and where they want to be that that distance seems insurmountable. And so the thought of taking it on just seems overwhelming. However, I'm a big fan of the nudge concept. And the nudge concept is essentially taking a small step towards where you want to be and thinking of it in smaller steps. And those small steps can add up over time. So let's take the... uh, Take a situation where you want to be a better husband or nicer to your spouse. So you may not get there all in one fell swoop, but complimenting your spouse one time a day may be may get you on your journey towards getting there. So don't be overwhelmed by the distance between where you are and where you want to be. And if you're really over, feeling overwhelmed by it, just try taking a small step and seeing how far that gets you. And we're back. You're listening to Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. Um, my guest today is Donna Michael. She is a uh, peer adherence educator um, at Palmetto Community Care. And we're talking about HIV and education. And so not only do you uh, coach and mentor other people with HIV, HIV positive, uh, you, also, um, you also advocate and push for legislation. One of the things I think we're both pretty passionate about is comprehensive sex education. Because, um, you know, from from my standpoint, teaching at a college level, I'm always amazed at the number of students that enter my classroom. These are sophomores, juniors, and seniors who Uh had no sex education, absence-only sex education, or something really inaccurate. And so I try to open your eyes to everything. Um, and you'd, you'd be amazed that, you know, the data would say that in the absence of the education, most of these young people learn from their peers. Mm-hmm. Their peers don't know anything. Yeah. So when it comes to something like HIV, um, it, it can have some serious consequences, um, as well as some of the other viruses out there, HPV and um and right. Herpes, well. herpes. Right. Um, so, um, so typically, the uh, absence-only education, typically in the South, if there's any at all. So, yeah. from a legislative standpoint, what kind of uh, what kind of work are you doing, or what kind of changes are you trying to push forward with education? 
Well, we have what's called um, AIDS Watch, where Elizabeth Taylor started it, mm-hmm. and it's still going on. And um, advocates around the world, around around the country, come goes to D.C. to speak with their legislature of their state and. Um, law, you know, we pushing for comprehensive education. We pushing for Medicaid expansion. We are pushing for laws that will um, not criminalize a person who is living with HIV, because the laws are different with someone who's living with HIV. <laughs> you said criminalize. Now, when you said yeah. that, the first thing that came to mind. This was years ago, but. Um, if someone was HIV positive and they were sleeping with people and not informing them, is that the perspective? Exactly. Okay. So they could be charged with some type of harm or assault, maybe? I can't remember what it was. The only two people that you need to let know your status is your doctor and someone you plan on sleeping with. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two people that need to know. But if you're HIV and you you t- you tell the person you're HIV, they can still say you didn't tell them, and you get mm-hmm. like an extra ten years slap on you, you know. So wow. basically, they looking at you know because I'm HIV, you want to give me more time. You you know I'm a criminal. I'm a criminal for being HIV. So it's some laws that we're trying to get changed because South Carolina still have the old laws, you know, back in when it first came out, but a lot of things has changed since then. Sure. And we go and we fight for our legislatures to, you know, speak up so we can get these laws changed. It'll be up to date with what's going on now with HIV. So we're not criminals. Yeah. We're not criminals. So you you've mentioned uh, dating, and so how uh, how how do you decide when you tell someone you're dating that you're HIV positive, and uh, how how have you navigated that and the stigma that goes with it? Well, since um, now I'm open with my status, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I let the person know. I put everything on the table. Um, so far. It has been successful one time, <laughs> and, but dating in the HIV world is really hard, especially for a 53-year-old woman, <laughs> um, because most of the men my age, they still have that stigma from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one man tell me, oh, that's like playing Russian roulette with my life. Um, I said, okay, you know, and I've learned how to overlook that now because I know better, you know. Um, So I tend to only want to date men who are HIV positive, but most of them are, (laughs) the men who are HIV positive, they have choices, more choices, I feel, than a female because it's more female for one man, you know, so 
a lot of females don't care whether a man is HIV positive. They just want to say, I have a man. And I notice, you know, around here, that's a lot. You know, we, we, we do have couples. One is positive and the other isn't. And it's common. It's common and most so likely. Is there a double standard then with men and women? Yes. Just yes. On the, wow. Yes. Um, I'm still single. <laughs> <laughs> so I am still single and it's hard out here. You know, I recently, what I do, I let it, I put everything on the table. I said, look, you know, I'm this way, I'm that way. And I'll say, well, I'm HIV positive. You know, I don't want, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want you to waste my time. If you're not interested, if you feel you can't deal with it, you know, let's move on, you sure. know? So it's, it's hard because, you know, we got people still look at you as you contagious or, you know, uh, if I touch you, you, they're going to get it. If I breathe on you, you know, and the stigma is still out here, even with people my age. Hmm. So it doesn't, <laughs> my age is difficult. It's very difficult. I am looking <laughs> still. <laughs> so are there specific dating apps for people that are HIV positive? Yes, they have HIV positive um dating sites and yes they have a couple of them now um but you got to be careful because a lot of scammers out there and they you know they know females who are hiv oh just want a man so they'll they'll want to take care of this man they got men who ask you for money i don't have money to give anybody (laughs) i've heard stories after stories but you know I'm glad they have an HIV positive side. I've met some good people, but we're just friends. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some people, you know, a lot, some people show their pictures. Some people don't, they don't want nobody to know, but they're, they want a date. They want someone in their life, you know, but yeah. you know, I've got a lot of men out there who, who are lonely. A lot of females out here who are lonely, but it's just the fact they're getting together. But I've been on dating sites for years and I haven't found anyone yet. What is wrong with me? Oh, I think it's them. Yeah, I think it's them. But, you know, I'm just a straightforward person because, you know, I want you to know, you know, I'm not out here playing games with anyone's life, you know, if oh, that's, you know, and, you know, I'm given a personal opportunity to make that decision, whether you want to deal with me, you know, because if you have an issue with my HIV, then, you know, you yeah. can move on. You know, I don't want to bring any issues or problems to anyone. And it kind of goes back to the education because, um, yep. You can have a wonderful intimate relationship and be HIV positive and, and do it safely, just a lack of knowledge. Um, right. And we have couples. We have people get married and have babies. One is positive, one isn't. You know, so, I mean, we, we have come a long way with advancement in the medication in the HIV world, but it's just people still look at it as um, in a negative way. 
and it's considered a chronic disease, just like diabetes. You, you, right. you, know, you keep it under control and you're fine. You take your medication every day, you're fine. Yeah. You don't take your medication, you play you around with people it. People that look at you and, and are in disbelief that you're HIV positive. Yes, I don't like a I said. that you can pick people out to raise any No, you can't. Um, you, nobody has the look, the HIV look. And when I hear people say that, I say, "Well, what what does HIV look look like? Tell me." You know, and I've had people who are just newly diagnosed, and they're like, "You." HIV positive you don't look like it <laughs> and you know it's like wow you know and I'm like people still you know have that conception of people looking like HIV and I'm still trying to figure out what does HIV look like but it doesn't have a look it doesn't mm-hmm. have a look it can it can affect anybody it's it's a wee disease not a your disease or my disease. It's a we disease. Yeah. It can happen to anyone. Anyone. For sure. But I don't, I don't let it define me. I still live my life. And I also noticed they have a new commercial about being HIV. It's a Big Tarby commercial. That's the HIV meds that I'm on. Ah. And yeah, it's a new commercial. Yeah, and they said you know, what am I doing because I'm HIV? And the person said, I'm living my life. And he's skating and he's having a good time. You don't have to, um, you know, be secluded. You don't have to hide, you know, just live your life. Take your meds, do what you're supposed to do. So are you down to one medication? That's right. One pill a day. From from twenty two to one pill for my HIV. Wow, medication's come a long way. It's come a long way, and it has less side effects or none at all. Very little side effects, and the pill is smaller now because it used to be a big old hospital one pill, (laughs) (laughs) but it's gotten smaller, and I mean. They're making it, you know, better because they're listening to the the clients. They're listening to people who are living with HIV. They say the pills were too big, so they made a smaller pill, you know. The, so. it, the primary purpose of the medication to um, keep the virus, I can't remember the technical term, is it shedding or replicating? Yeah, to keep it not to, um, let's say, reproduce more and more. You know, it keeps it, it hibernates it. But when you, if you're on your medication, and that's why they want you to take it around the same time every day, and you're missing dosage, that's giving the virus more, more to um, develop more, you know, make make more of it. And when you're being late on your medication, you're giving it some time to kind of sneak out, sneak out, sneak out. But, you know, you, you do take care of yourself. Take care of your body. Take care of yourself, you know. Um, also, mental health, you know. Hmm. There's nothing wrong with, you know, seeking help or hmm. being on antidepressants. There's nothing wrong with that because when you're dealing with something that affects you on a daily basis, it is hard. 
It's very hard. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been seeing a psychiatrist for years, and um, I've had the one psychiatrist for about 12 years before he went to research. So, okay. you know, you need that that support, that mental support. And I also speak with the therapist when I need more time to sit and talk with someone. But, um, yeah, yeah you hit all have, my hot buttons. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan, a big advocate and fan of, um, of not looking at mental health as separate from overall health and, uh, looking at right. it should be integrated. It's so right. Well, we're up against a commercial break, and uh, you're listening to Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You, and we're talking about uh, living and striving, being HIV positive. My, my guest today is Donna Markle. We'll be right back. <laughs> This segment of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You, is sponsored by True North Counseling and Development, dedicated to serving the needs of women. At True North, feeling better is just the beginning. Find us on the web at www.truenorthlex.com or by phone at 859-740-7374. And we are back. Uh, my guest today is Donna Marshall. And before the break, we were, well, I was making a case. This is one of my pet peeves. Uh, one of my, um, I get on my soapbox about it, the fact that uh, we should be looking at health overall and not splitting out mental health. So, um, you know, uh, Part of what you do, Donna, as a peer, a parent, educator, you are clearly passionate about helping other people that are HIV positive. So um, how did you get into this world? Well, I came to a point in my life, being HIV for so long, I had a heart attack in 2008. Wow. Yes, it came from, didn't come from my HIV. Okay. It came from um, cholesterol, not eating right, and doing drugs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was lying in the bed. I had an out-of-body experience, and I was like, Lord, if you bring me out of this, I promise I will never touch drugs again, and I will get more involved, be more involved within the, you know, my health and take care of myself. Mm -hmm. So I went, I... I went to Low Country Aid. It was Low Country Aid Services at that time, and I said, "I want to, I want to join the support group." And I met a young man by the name of Michael Luciano, and he was an act up back in the days when they used to protest and get arrested, and you know. So we used to, I used to go, and he became friendly with me, and. We started talking and he was like, well, why don't you come and help me host the support group? You know, let's do the support group, which at the time, the support group, maybe we would have a good crowd. And then all of a sudden it'll die down one, two people. And I just started coming, volunteering at the agency. Mm -hmm. And 
I really, you know, like the people that work there and everything. And they have like preventive classes, preventive preventive groups, and they needed uh, someone who's living with HIV and they needed two case managers. And they asked me if I wanted to go to the training for Willow, Women Involved in Life Learning from Other Women. And I said, sure. So I went to Miami and I got trained. They paid for everything. And I started facilitating for this class. And, you know, I'm, I'm like an employee there, but I was like a volunteer, really. And, you know, a lot of the clients there, I knew because I grew up downtown in the area. A lot of them I knew. I know their family, you know, but everything is confidential, HIPAA law, you know, and I just started, you know, going there at least every day, every other day, because I wanted to be more involved. So Michael helped me get a lot involved because he's so smart and he knows about the HIV world and he does his research. And so he helped me a lot to be, to get where I'm at now, he had a lot to do with it because he pushed me and he motivated me and also the almighty God because, and like I said, he does things in mysterious ways. I had the heart attack. So that made me look at my life in a different way because it's 2008. You, you did some bargaining. Huh? <laughs> yes. And you know, he, God didn't like what was going on. So he was like, okay, I'm going to knock her down. But let me get her to think about her life. And that's what I did. I said, Mm -hmm. 1991, they said, you may live five years. It's 2008. I'm lying in this bed. I had a heart attack. I got a stent put in. I'm alive. Okay, Donna, you need to rethink your life and you need to do better. Wow. So I looked at it as, I didn't have nobody to talk to back then. I didn't have no, no, no type of support. Sure. So I said, I'm going to be somebody's support. I want to be somebody who they, you know, who they can come talk to. You know, I want to be that person. I want to be there to tell them it's okay, you're HIV. You are somebody. You are loved regardless of what's going on. You are loved and I want to give that love. So that's how I started out because I looked at my life and within myself and how I didn't have anybody. Right. You know, the road was lonely for me. It was very lonely. I had one best friend who to this day is still my friend, but you need support. You need support when you're dealing with something in your life like this. I started volunteering and one day they said, how would you like to work here? Hmm. And I wasn't looking for a job. <laughs> yeah. And I said, you're just following your path. Sure. And what guys. Right. And they said, they, they said, um, D heck came up with this new, um, you know, in the five year plan to end the epidemic and it's peers and they have already had Michael and myself. So boom, they got their two peers and that's how I got employed 
and they know, you know, it comes from my heart, you know, and I love my job and I love doing what I do. Yeah, it gets hectic, but hey, that's life. Life is hectic. (laughs) And, you know, so so as a peer, um, you're that interface Mm -hmm. when newly diagnosed people come in and you're that person that's also aspirational as well as support. So you've lived with it. Right. You can say, hey, I can be there at some point too. Right. Exactly. You know, like if we have, if we, if we have a newly diagnosed, um, and if they ask, would you like to talk with someone who is living with the virus? They would ask myself or Michael, one one or the other, and we'll go in there and I'll talk with the person. And I'm a hands-on person. I hold hands, I hug, you know, because you need that, especially that moment when you, you get the results that you're HIV positive. But I also reassure them that this is not a death sentence anymore. Yeah. And I... You know, I tell them I've been here since 1991 and I'm not planning on going away unless God says so. But, you know, I'm here and I give clients the opportunity if they need to talk to someone, they can call me. The um, the agency gives us our own cell phones for that purpose. And, you know, I just want people to know that you're not in this alone. You have someone to talk with. You know, because I didn't have that. And, you know, I want to give back. I want to give back. Right. So I could see that being newly diagnosed, like, as we were talking about earlier, as uh, either being anxiety inducing or depression in- inducing. And so um, is that often part of um, your, the treatment? Yes. Um, mentally, it does a lot because you're you're like why me we have a lot of people why me i didn't do anything why me i didn't deserve this and it go you know that this goes through your mind a lot um i know it did with me yes i've contemplated suicide numerous of times but i thought about my children and you know how it that wouldn't be, you know, fair to them. So we offer um, mental health, and I feel mental health should go along with, you know, you offer the person the mental health. Talk with someone. You need to talk with someone because you can't hold all this inside because it's, you know, it's gonna when it comes out, it's gonna be even worse. For sure. So you need to talk with someone. You need that person, and that's why I offer myself. And we also, at the agency, we offer professional help also. And um, at the agency, you know, we have case managers and we offer, um, if, you are, if you're complying and you're doing what you're supposed to do, we, we're there to help you. If you get um, in a rut, you can't pay your rent, you know, they, they have fundings for that. Awesome. And Great. Yeah, they have fundings for a lot of things. So my listeners, it might be in other places. Are there similar kind of um, facilities in other places? Yes, they should have um, facilities like this all over. Um, you just you, you can Google it. Um, 
we're like a, a nonprofit agency and we get fundings from the government also to help and people um, from donations also. So, you know, we use the money. We have a pantry. We have a hygiene pantry. You know. um, we have a pantry with non-perishable food. Because people, you have hard times. You have hard times. And when you're HIV, we try to help you not worry so much about your status. Sure. Because it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. You know, years ago, you know, the agency is over maybe 25, 30 years old. And back then it's got started because, you know, people were dropping dead. So mm-hmm. they it was there to help and we're still there to help. And like I said, we offer medical, medical um, case management, you know, and me as a peer, you know, the case managers loads are, it's a lot. And we, we help them, you know, with the clients. If the clients can't get in touch with them, then they call us and, you know, we'll try to help them as much as we can and, you know, relate the message or, you know, do what we can do sure. to make it better. Well, that is um, awesome. <laughs> well, Donna, uh, we're out of time and this, this show has flown by again. Uh, I want to thank you again. Actually, um, thank you for being on the show, but um, this is inspiring the work that you do. I don't know if there are enough stories like this out there uh, concerning HIV in the community of support that's out there. Um, keep up the good work. This is pretty, this is awesome. I just wanted to say, I wanted to make sure I got in there that everyone should know their status and get tested no matter oh, what. Oh, for sure. And, uh, yeah. They don't have to wait several weeks like you did in 91, I think. Uh, no, we have a rapid 20-minute test. 20-minute test, for sure. For sure. You don't have to wait. It's it's available. It's free. Everything is free. Yeah. And you free. can save your life and other people's lives as well. That's right. Well, Don, thank you for being on the show again. And... Uh, as I often say, if you help one person, especially if they've been newly diagnosed or know someone that's been diagnosed HIV positive, then this time has been well worth it. So uh, once again, my guest is Donna Marshall. She's a peer adherence educator at Palmetto Community Care in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, they're a network of these care centers nationwide. So yeah. if you or someone you love is suspected HIV positive, HIV positive, uh, please uh, look these uh, facilities up and uh, get the support you need. If you have a relationship therapy or personal growth question you would like answered on the show, email me at toby at paradigmradioshow.com. You can find archive shows and additional details about guests of the show at the show's website, ParadigmRadioShow.com. You can follow the show and One Minute Insight on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Paradigm Radio Show on all those platforms. For archive episodes, you can find episodes wherever you subscribe to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Thank you for tuning into Paradigm.
Insights into Relationships and You with Toby Jenkins. Join us again.